Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Third Impact Anime Podcast. I am, for once, your host, Bill. I am really excited today because only one catchphrase prevails. And we today we are talking about one of my favorite franchises, Detective Conan. And with me is a junior sleuth himself, Austin. Hey, I'm really excited to be talking about James Cameron's Titanic. <laughs> Yeah, you could uh, see a little ties with that, but uh, maybe that, a little bit later. <laughs> that, that will make sense in time, dear audience. Yeah, in time. But before we get to Conan, or Case Closed in America, why don't we do a little bit of catch-up and see what we've been watching or playing? So, Austin, what have you been watching as of late? Well, I had the uh, distinct pleasure recently of being a guest on the Film Buds podcast. It's a podcast that is ran by a friend of mine back from undergrad uh, that I knew, and he's been doing that. He's been uh, well. He's he's taken over from the original host, but he's been hosting the podcast for probably about the last year or so. And um, they've been doing a they're like a general like film film and TV podcast, mostly mostly film. And recently for the holiday season, which we're recording this now on December 9th of 2021, they have been doing like a series of episodes on uh, like holiday films. Like the one that they just did was on uh, Hanukkah films, which there's like a shockingly few amount of. So they were subjected to having to discuss Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights, which is just a absolute mess of a film. (laughs) Um, But anyway, the episode that I was on was um, their, like, international Christmas episode, so they talked about Tokyo Godfathers, and because I have no shame, I just invited myself on because I really like that movie, and I'm pretty sure the last time that we talked about Tokyo Godfathers, I wasn't even on that episode, so I don't, I have never talked about Tokyo Godfathers on a podcast before, so that was really fun for them to uh, let me on and, uh, and chat about that for a while, so... That was really cool. Rewatching Tokyo Godfathers is always a treat. And I got to rewatch the new dub for the first time. So that was cool. Yeah, the new dub, I think, was pretty excellently done. Yeah. Um, I have no, no complaints with it. Um, no, I really, movie, I really like it. Yeah. That movie, hold, it's it's a great uh, movie in that I could probably rewatch it over and over again because it's probably Satoshi Khan's most easily digestible plot Mm -hmm. um and it's a fun kind of a romp of happenstance and mystery and uh set at christmas time so you should go watch it if you haven't i think it really captures that like that essence of christmas magic probably better than like 50 percent of american produced christmas films which is wild because it was create it's like created in a totally non- traditionally christian christmas interpretation um right because in in japan christmas is more like a valentine's romantic holiday right exactly yeah it's not really so i do think it's interesting that it like it, it captures like the not to be trite but you know like the the true meaning of christmas it captures that <laughs> a lot better than like probably most of what you could expect to come out from here what are you telling me that a Hallmark movie doesn't tell me the true meaning of Christmas? Blowing my mind, Austin. 
whenever the lady from New York moves to the small town to marry the the, the football rancher man and stuff, the Christmas whenever, tree magnet. <laughs> yeah, whenever they find a baby in a garbage can and have to not take it to their its home, you get back to me. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> it's it's fine. Those those Hallmark movies are very confounding at times. So. Yeah. I don't well, they've yet. got their they've got their brand. They found their formula. It's like it's like their version of the isekai formula. You know, it just people people eat it up for some reason. Pretty much, where it's a small town girl go, <laughs> that when moved to the big city comes back to the small town and it's like does has lost the meaning of the holidays because she's so busy with work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, we are not a Hallmark movie podcast. You know, there are We're, some. I bet there are. I bet there's a niche where it's like a host and a comedian talking about them somewhere. <laughs> Probably in the greater uh, city of LA. <laughs> but uh, as for uh, anime-related things, I finished Netflix Bebop. You uh, finished yeah. it. Congratulations. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I I was a trooper and got through it. Mm. Um I I have some strong disagreements about what they attempted to do. Mm. Um, I know I've 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 only watched half of the show myself, but I can probably guess that I'm going to agree with like 95 percent of all of your issues with the show. I think like superficially it looks fine, like the visuals, the music. I think they're fine. John Cho is fine, and I think the general cast is fine. It's mostly mm-hmm. the writing is really, really not great. Yeah, um, like, I said something to this effect on Twitter uh, as I was watching the first five episodes, but I was just like, man, you know, if they took out, like, every second or third joke from the show and, like, just removed every single scene where Vicious is present, I think it would be a much better show. Yeah, and just the—I think the other problem is just the characterizations are so off. Where I know they wanted to not do a carbon copy and try to do something a bit different. Yeah. But just the changes feel off. Like how vicious, especially vicious, is done. Where in the original anime he's mysterious and he's basically just a shadow. Mm-hmm. Where you don't know anything about him, you just know that he wants to kill Spike. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, he's much more emotionally volatile and very whiny at times <laughs> yeah and uh man that wig is not doing him any favors <laughs> not at all <laughs> uh and i understood what they tried to do with Faye because they probably were afraid like oh if we make her too flirty then people might say we're being we're just doing eye candy and i get they wanted to get away with from that but they made her too much into what I think is a bit uh, too much foul mouth. Like I don't, I I'm not a oh my prude, gosh. and that curse that cursing is fine, but when it's every three seconds, and when she's very much like in the girl boss TM mode, I'm like, mm-hmm. could you just stop, please? No, stop. I, I I will say I feel like the whole like the uh just ratcheting up the cursing and the foul language and again i'm not inherently against that but like it 
it makes it feel like they're trying to do like some sort of Tarantino impersonation, but it all just rings so hollow. You know, it just feels like oh, we're just we're we're just trying to throw in all of this foul language in just because we can. And I'm not saying that these people wouldn't use tons of foul language, but like if you watch the show, it sounds it sounds really excessive. Yeah, it sounds very much like a teenager was kind of like, we can do this. Let's go crazy. Exactly. <laughs> and when as when you get older, that just kind of like cursing is part of your vernacular, but it's not every five seconds. Yeah, which is not not great. And uh, I would also say that um, while I like Jet and the actor. Him being super grumpy every five seconds constantly is, is really great. And like he would get that way in the original show mm-hmm. at times, but he seemed more even killed in that in that version or of that script. Yeah, for the English cast. Whereas in this one, he's basically Danny Glover in the Lethal Weapon movie. He's like, I'm getting too old for this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spike, uh, my daughter, my daughter. <laughs> and it's also not like Spike and Jet didn't like bicker a lot in the original show. I mean, they definitely did. But, um, and again, I'm only speaking from watching half of it, but like, it seems like they're just constantly like at each other's throat about everything. Just like, just nonstop. It's like they don't ever really or the, calm or down. The, or that Jed is basically on pins and needles like every single moment of the day. Right. And that makes it just not fun for me. I really like the actor. I yeah. I the actor, the actor's good. But it's just, they've just gotten such bad dialogue and with the quippiness too. Mm-hmm. The Josh Whedon quippiness mm. has still not gone away from a, from the Hollywood writers for de- vernacular. And yeah. No, I completely agree. But um, speaking of uh, Mustafa Shakir specifically, like, not that he needs to, but there were times where, like, I felt like I could close my eyes and just hear Bo Billingsley because, like, he, the way he played Jet sounded, like, super similar to the original performance. Mm. Yeah, I could, I would totally agree with that. Mm hmm. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with you too. It's like, I don't, I don't have anything against like the performances necessarily, but it's, it's the pacing and the writing that just kind of grind my gears. It, it feels like it's not really, it's not going anywhere. Um, and with the stuff that, with Vicious that they sort of expounded upon, it's like they were trying to make it go somewhere. But in that specific context, I just, I just don't care. <laughs> I just don't care. And I also say like, a mystery, when it's presented to an audience, whatever they create in their mind is going to be better than whatever you decide to write. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of and the that... whole appeal of, of the original show. It's like you don't, you get like little glimpses of like Spike's life from beforehand and all that stuff. But, um, and like with characters like Faye, it's like you don't really know what's going on with her until the very, very end. But like in the very beginning of this show, they straight up say like in the, maybe the first or second episode that Faye is like they like basically lay out her entire thing like right there it's like she has amnesia she was frozen all that stuff they just like kind of put it right out in your face from the get-go and I'm just like I thought kind of the appeal of these characters with us they were kind of mysterious yeah and just that morsel of giving you hints about their characters made you engage and want you to learn more about them yeah whereas if i just gave an info dump of my 
my main characters that I'm like, this is way too much information for me to process, <laughs> and I don't care. <laughs> but the longer the script, with the more di- with more dialogue, you can make longer episodes for cheaper, and Netflix probably <sighs> loves that. Well, knowing Netflix, they will probably give this a second season and then say we're done. Mm. Because that's how Netflix rolls of just like, unless it's a huge breakout hit uh, to keep things cheap, it's either two seasons or less. Hey folks, this is Editing Austin here, chiming in to say that unfortunately, uh, or maybe fortunately, it looks like uh, we won't be getting a second season of the Netflix Cowboy Bebop because about a day after we recorded this episode, Netflix decided to cancel the show. So it looks like that's all we're going to get, and maybe that's for the best. But uh, there was also some other Cowboy Bebop-related news about uh, a day after Netflix announced the cancellation, the passing of Keiko Nobumoto was also announced. She passed away at age 57 on December 1st, and they announced her death a few days afterwards. Uh, she was one of the main scriptwriters for Cowboy Bebop, in addition to Tokyo Godfathers, and she was the original creator of Wolf's Reign, and she worked on Samurai Champloo and Macross Plus and a whole bunch. Uh, she was a very frequent collaborator with Shinichiro Watanabe, and uh, we lost her way too soon. We really appreciate all of the wonderful work that she's leaving behind, and we send our sincerest um, regards to her friends and family. Um, she's really a titan of anime screenwriting, and it's really sad that we've lost her at such a young age. Um, but yeah, just wanted to chime in and add those two addendums. And now, back to the show. This isn't over, Austin. We have the One Piece adaptation, which Aren't I am... Aren't you so excited? S- I'm so scared. <laughs> I, am so, I am so scared. Because it's by the same studio that is doing the Bebop adaptation. Mm. And even though Oda is involved, I don't trust it. And they're doing a Yu Yu Hakusho adaptation, too, because 90s, and people with 90s now have buying power, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think they're... Didn't they also announce they're doing a Gundam thing? And yes. they're going to do a Sailor Moon thing, too? Oh, really? So, yeah, so they're hitting, like, all the big 90s nostalgia points at this point. Mm. And they previously did the Death Note movie, which we won't speak about. Mm. Um, so yeah, this is becoming a thing. I think the one that has the potential to be the most successful is the Gundam one, because the Gundam universe is really big, and if they wanted to just tell like a simple story using the context of Gundam, like with the Federation and the uh, Zeon and stuff like that, I think that's probably more doable and the likelihood of being more successful. But then again, I am also thinking that they're really going to scrimp on the special effects and the robots might not look all that good. So at that point, like, why would you want to do it if it can't look good? And the other thing, too, is because it's Gundam, there's going to be way too many cooks in the kitchen working on that script. Mm. They should just let Tomino write it. At least then it would be weird and interesting. Uh, it'll be weird. I don't, I don't, it would be either weird and interesting or hair pulling. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, maybe this would make Tamina's dream come true. Of like, I can finally be a filmmaker. <laughs> uh, 
I'm not an anime director. I'm a filmmaker. <laughs> I'm a film. <laughs> I'm a filmmaker. Uh, so yeah, this will be sadly an ongoing trend, and I will probably do an episode on the one on the One Piece live action mm-hmm. show when that comes out, mm-hmm. where you'll just hear me just get into a morph ball and just be really sad. <laughs> And I will say, I mean, there's there's always the possibility that if there's enough interest in the group, we could do another episode on the Cowboy Bebop live action movie. No promises. I mean, not not live action movie, the series. But um, I mean, no promises. But that might be in the future as well. Maybe. Although Maybe. I don't want that, that episode. Just might be just a spewing of sadness and and disappointment. <laughs> Probably. We've never actually covered the original series, so we should do that sometime. Uh, yeah, or maybe like the movie. Yeah. That'd be fun. The sky's the limit. But all, but uh, actually, speaking of Netflix, there was a quick news item that I wanted to talk about. Um, Netflix just this week announced a new project with Wit Studio, the folks behind uh, Attack on Titan and um, the Ancient Magus Bride and Cabinary of the Iron Fortress. Um, they are doing a new uh, Netflix original anime film. Uh, that comes out next year in April with y- our boy Gen Urobuchi in the writer's chair mm. and um, the director of Attack on Titan, uh, Tetsuro Araki, directing it. And it's called Bubble. And it uh, it looks pretty interesting. They put out a teaser for it. And um, it has a lot of talent attached to it. Like uh, Hiroyuki Sawano is doing the music. So it sounds like they just got a whole bunch of fairly well-known people together and said hey make a thing and i'm all for that like if this comes out and it's like really bad at least i think it will be bad in like an interesting way but like a lot of the stuff that these folks have worked on i've really enjoyed so i'm 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 actually kind of hyped for this the trailer makes it look really neat a lot of people online are comparing it to like gravity rush in at least concept where it plays with like gravity and like space and movement and stuff like that and that sounds like a really fun sort of visual medium to play in so um i don't know i mean if netflix throws more money towards projects like this then i'm again i'm i'm all for it it, it sounds like it might be a it might be a cool thing to look out for well i think the it's gonna be our theme for the episode today is just netflix is just throwing the money around like on top of that they basically bought the exclusive rights to the new jojo series they did oh my gosh and yes and it's so good jojo's is back and stone ocean is so much fun it's so fun i it's so sad because uh, my friend and i we marathoned it in like two days i'm like no yeah. we're, at a, we're at a jojo now <laughs> yeah they <laughs> dropped they dropped the first 12 episodes and then i guess in a few months they'll do another 12 and then finish it up a few months after that i i guess i guess that's what yeah because because jojo is usually around like 39 mm-hmm. 38 episodes mm-hmm. usually so yeah i expected that we're gonna probably get 12 episode batches mm-hmm. every couple of months yeah that sounds great to me i mean so far i've only seen like the first two episodes so far but like jolene is just a riot she's such a fun lead character and knowing that it's like all centering around like a prison basically means that there is like an endless possibility of like insane scenarios and people that she can come across and have to deal with so i'm i'm really looking forward to uh 
to watching more of uh, Stone Ocean. Yeah, and without getting into too much spoilers, I'll say I like most JoJo things. The fights are great, and uh, I like the premise of this JoJo series, mm-hmm. where it doesn't feel as wandering as some of the other past series mm-hmm. where there's no bad jojo but certain jojo seasons were more focused than others so, yeah um i, I would agree so, with that i think all jojos is pretty pretty consistent in quality it's just like some of them are a little bit more engaging than others mm-hmm. like i like golden wind but i think it's probably one of the like more i don't know uh slow series is like it's very slow build um mm. but the the cast of characters is really great like giorno i think is kind of weak himself but i really like his uh his gang like the characters around him so even when jojo's is like quote unquote at its weakest like i i still think that there's a lot to like there yeah and like most things i think everyone interprets things differently like for sure. me diamond is unbreakable was my ooh slowest one that i mm-hmm. had trouble engaging with uh but it was still good um so yeah if you, if you haven't noticed already you should go watch jojo mm-hmm. it's pretty it's it's excellent across the board well i think we've done enough catching up why don't we get into our main topic today which is detective conan huge detective conan fan and that i have watched most of the tv series and all the movies yes i'm insane (laughs) uh and i wanted to see how it would go uh for a a more of a newer person of the franchise which uh is my friend and my co-host austin hey that's me yep so we just i decided to send him one of the movies because most of the movies you can just enter into it without knowing really any continuity and just enjoy it for what it is uh but before we get into the movie why don't i give a little background on what detective conan is mm-hmm. yeah like for this episode it's mainly going to be bill uh regaling you with all of everything that you need to know to get started with detective conan and me being obtuse so please proceed <laughs> our, our fearless leader okay well, well we'll see if i can lead us lead us through the way so that we don't get lost in the weeds <laughs> uh well he, little background so detective conan was created by um goyo ashima uh he grew up wanting to be an art teacher uh but in his college years a friend of his suggested that he submit uh some of his work for a manga contest which he received an honorable mention which inspired him to become a manga artist after a few years of struggling he saw another contest for shonen sunday which uh funny enough Austin does not come out on Sunday. Comes out what? on Tuesday. Comes out on Tuesdays, and then what? they moved it to Wednesdays. <laughs> I literally had no idea. 
Yes. And Every, uh, everything is a lie. What does what do, what do days of the week even mean anymore? I, it's it's the, I know what I'm going to declare today even though we're recording this on a Wednesday. I I'm, I'm declaring today Sunday. All right. It's all in my head. <laughs> uh, and also just uh, people should know this is not tied to weekly shonen jump this is another magazine just every, a lot of them use very similar naming conventions mm-hmm. so that's because i thought it was tied to when i first got into conan i thought it was tied to shonen jump but nope I was yeah wrong. a lot of the manga magazines have like somewhat similar names with like weekly shonen or shoujo something in it but they're all most mostly separate yeah well, his first series was Magic Kaito, who would later become a recurring character in Conan, a.k.a. Kaito Kid. Uh, it's funny, his editors thought that um, Kai- Magic Kaito would not be that successful, and he said it, if it sold over 100,000 copies, he'd get him uh, lunch, which it <laughs> did. Um, wow, just one and... lunch for 100,000 copies. <laughs> and... Uh, Kaito is very much based on the Arsene Lupin character, so that character has inspired many of my favorite franchises, surprisingly. Mm. Uh, in uh, 1994, his editors at Shonen Sunday asked him to create a mystery series to kind of uh, compete with the teen mystery craze, which was going on at the time. Um, so... I said sure and came up with the idea of Conan in two weeks. Uh, I I take that I think he just says that I find it hard to believe that he would be able to create a billion dollar franchise in two weeks because <laughs> this uh, Conan makes some serious money. Uh, so a little bit of uh, background: Detective Conan has been uh, running since 1994. It is still going today with over 100 volumes and counting. Uh, is this still it, all being written by Oyama? Uh, yeah, it's still written by him, but I imagine that he... I don't know what his level of assistance help is, because mm-hmm. any major mangaka usually has like an army of assistants that helps them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so he might have that same sort of setup. Um an anime adaptation by my favorite studio, TMS, has been running since 1996, with a Conan movie coming out every year since 1997, uh, usually during the Golden Week of Japan. And funny enough, sadly, the streak was broken thanks to COVID, where no. they missed uh, they missed last year and decided to delay the movie by a year. So that way people can go see it in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, sadly their streak was broken, but... Um, well, they have a very good excuse. <laughs> very good one. But, but I gave you all this background, but what is the premise of Detective Conan? So uh, it's, premise... it's Arnold Schwarzenegger from the Conan the Barbarian movie, but he's a detective, right? Mm, I, I don't know if Conan the Barbarian would have the intelligence and the wisdom to, to investigate these cases. He'd be like, <laughs> I just I just punch. You go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the premise is a young teenage detective named Sunichi Kudo uh, who works with the police and is top of the game top of his game are, uh, takes a trip with his uh, best friend slash love interest 
uh, ran at an amusement park called Tropical Land, where he sees two mysterious figures uh, kind of go off into the distance as just as he solved the case. And as he's kind of observing them, they find out about him, uh, knock him out, and make him take a mysterious pill, uh, which they believed was going to kill him, but actually shrunk him down to the size of a child. That is a uh, wild swerve. Like, <laughs> in theory, if they were trying to give him, like, cyanide and it accidentally backfired and it turned him into a child, like, I think that they just had a massive scientific discovery. <laughs> uh, and so now, under the um, pseudonym of Conan Elagawa, he lives with Ran and her private detective father, Mori. Uh, keeping his identity secret from Rand to keep her safe uh, while he tries to uncover the mystery of the organization known as the Black Organization and get back to normal. No relation to Kingdom Hearts. Well, this beat Kingdom Hearts by a few years, so take that, That's Kingdom true. Hearts. <laughs> now, I'm assuming like the reason his name is Conan Edogawa is like it's a combination between Arthur Conan Doyle and Edogawa Ranpo. Like, that's what I would assume, right? Yes, you're exactly right. Right. Makes sense to me. Um, and, uh, but <laughs> to make things even simpler, the the main premise with the Black Organization isn't really the focus of our movie. Uh, the, um, but before we get into the movie, I guess, have you had, you haven't had any experience with Conan before, have you, Austin? Um, so this was a number of years ago, but at our, at my favorite used bookstore, I found a copy of the first season of Conan on DVD that Funimation had put out, probably in like the mid-2000s or so, and I just picked it up because I was like, oh, this, this franchise I've i've heard of for a very long time and i thought well you know what i'll just i'll give it a try and i watched the first episode and that's all uh, <laughs> i do not have that box set anymore uh i enjoyed the first episode but at the time and probably still even now i just don't think it's something that i really want to dive full full bore into even though as we'll get into later i did enjoy this movie Mm. so that's yeah. that's really my familiarity with with conan um beyond sort of you you filling me in along your journey of you getting into conan that was mostly due to my like most things my friend michael where he had a nostalgic connection to conan because the funimation dub i think ran on g4 hmm um, or the anime network, something like that. Mm -hmm. And he grew up watching the dub mm -hmm. and had nostalgia for it. And after One Piece, we needed another long franchise to do. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so we decided to do Conan. And it took about a year. Is, Con Con we... is Conan longer than One Piece? It is, isn't it? Um in term no uh one piece is slightly longer in terms of manga it's what about only, anime anime um conan's a little bit longer okay yeah um, because you said it started in what um the anime started in um what year 1996 okay so yeah that's like th 
three years before One Piece started. Yeah, so they're cl- they're close in length. Mm-hmm. But uh, unlike One Piece, Conan is I think much more approachable because you can pretty much join in on any case that you want, and you don't really need to know the continuity as hard as you do with One Piece. Because it's very much case of the week. Of Conan and crew go to uh, someplace usually in Baker City. uh, And a crime occurs and then Conan has to solve it. So it's usually, it's much more approachable, I would argue, than One Piece is. Because with One Piece, it's a one continuous story with the plot um progressing whereas this one is very much case of the week mm-hmm. with occasional um story progression mm. um and uh i'd say you, with your experience with conan and austin it's very similar to a lot of people uh in america because detective conan slash case closed never really took off um one it's called case closed in america i think mostly to avoid um copyright issues because of the author conan doyle name mm-hmm. um so they changed it to case closed and it's under a, a lot of different names in different uh, countries um but in america funimation tried detective conan out in around 2004 where they put out the first four seasons of conan which is about 130 episodes uh and the first six movies um and as I know a couple people have nostalgia for the dub, like Colin Clinkenbeard, who is a known voice actor, is the voice of Ran in the Conan Funimation dub. I'm pretty sure um, she's um, Winry in Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah, and uh, she's Lilith in the Borderlands games. Oh, nice. Um, but... Uh, yeah, she's she's in there, and a couple other Funimation regulars at the time were in that dub. I think Mike McFarlane is. Oh, he's in everything. Uh, he's in. I think he's in there playing as playing more. I'm probably wrong, so mm-hmm. you can correct me, Twitter. Uh, but it just it never it never really connected. I think because at the time it was a different approach in dubbing because they changed except including Conan's name, they changed all of the Japanese names into English, mm. and like instead of ran mori it's rachel moore Mm. you know i can see that if you're talking about the mid-2000s this was just coming out of an era where dubbing companies and localizers thought that that was sort of a necessity because like the um the deke dub of sailor moon wasn't too many years prior to this time period where they changed everybody's name Mm. Yeah, I, and I think the other thing, too, is unlike something like One Piece or Bleach, where it's a lot of heavy action and movement, Conan is very much, it's a very heavy dialogue um, show. Mm-hmm. So it's not as action-oriented, so it's hard to engage a younger audience that would that would potentially try it out. Which, that seems interesting to me. I mean, maybe that's just the difference in priorities between, I don't know, I, I hate to make generalizations, but, like, the difference in priorities between, like, U.S. companies and what they're looking for versus Japanese ones. Because 
It isn't like Detective Conan isn't also geared to a younger audience in Japan, too, so you would think that, like, the demographics would be really similar. Well, Detective Conan has a much more broader audience in that it has a very big female fan base, Mm -hmm. and it also connects with families. Oh, okay. So 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 you're saying Conan is more directed towards, like, not just kids, but a general audience? More in Japan, it's more of a general audience. Okay, yes. I got, I got you. Like the they'll have like Conan and Ran, uh, do sponsorships for like the Tokyo Olympics, or mm. we're gonna do tie-ins with the local police department, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Um, if you do something bad, I'll arrest <laughs> you, because my name is Conan Edogawa. <laughs> He'd be more like I'll, Child I'll get cop. my, I'll get, I'll get my police officer friend to arrest you <laughs> well i well i'll do a um i'll i'll illustrate what you did wrong <laughs> but uh no it just i and i think also just with the time frame of when it came out like we were still in the mid-2000s of mecca was still really big and mm. this is before more uh, a more wider uh range of shows got more popular mm-hmm. so it was very much boy centric i would argue so i think it, it it was hard to find an audience at the, at the time mm. uh, i could definitely see that surprisingly the manga though has continued to still be released mm. by viz both physically and digitally since 2004 uh they're up to volume 80 uh in the english releases they are still very far behind from where the anime is um but they are still at a decent pace releasing the the manga here in the states. Do you know if that was they... continuous? Like, was there ever a hiatus for the manga being released in the U.S.? I'm not quite sure. Because uh, if that was like seemed... a straight run, like throughout all this time, like that'd be really impressive. It it seems to me like they have. Mm-hmm. Um, they might have taken breaks to space things out, mm-hmm. but I. I'm just more surprised that in the... Because usually it's the anime that brings people to the manga, right? Well, especially Whereas in the U.S., for sure. In the U.S., yeah. Mm-hmm. But here, the manga f- was able to find enough of an audience to keep going. Whereas in the anime never really connected. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that TMS isn't trying. Because they've tried more recent efforts to get Conan uh, slash case closed... Uh, back in the consciousness to U.S. fans, mm-hmm. um, such as they've been releasing more of the Conan movies digitally on platforms like Amazon Prime and iTunes and YouTube, uh, the YouTube movie system, and they've been releasing more of the movies through uh, Discotech, uh, a company both you and I enjoy their releases a lot. Yep, they're my uh, favorite company. Yep. Um, and right now, they've been releasing a lot of more of the modern movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, movies that have come out more recently in like 2017, 2015, uh, 2016. Um, and I think what they were pushing was, everyone, if you're new to Conan, go see the episode one special, which is basically a compilation special uh, that kind of gives you the origins of Conan. And so that way you're not intimidated by like the episode count. You can just see the special and uh, get a sense of what Conan is. Yeah, I think that's pretty wise, you know, them finding things that are decent entry entry points into the franchise and 
going ahead and releasing those out first and seeing how they do and then if those continue to do well um keep releasing more kind of like what they've been doing with lupon for like years at this point yeah i'm really hoping that kind of with the trajectory lupon has been going at that conan can get a similar trajectory where there's enough people that get really into it and buy the discotheque releases and uh we keep getting it the movies because there's enough movies uh where there's uh, i think now like 28 movies wow so so <laughs> So you have enough material that you can do, and I think if I was a company, doing specials and the movie releases are, are the best way to go because um, I would find it very hard to think that people in the United States would want to buy o- over a thousand episodes of Conan. <laughs> uh, I think that's a much fitter, better fit with, with a streaming service like Crunchyroll, mm-hmm. which Crunchyroll... Uh, Conan has very had a very sporadic release in the United States where at first it was through Funimation and then they lost the rights and then Netflix picked up a random season for at least a couple years and then Funimation I'm sorry not Funimation uh, Crunchyroll uh, have been releasing um, more of the newer episodes starting around uh, I think it's like 809 810 and they recently got the rights back to the first 130, which are now on Crunchyroll. But there's a major gap from like, it goes from like 1 to 130, then major gap, and then we go to episode <laughs> 809. Uh, but I will say... I seem um, to recall, wasn't it like that for One Piece on Crunchyroll for a, for a while? A few years ago, I, maybe? I Yeah, I think it was where there was a big gap for a while, but mm-hmm. now... One Piece is pretty much everywhere. Like mm-hmm. it's on Funimation service, all of it, and it's on Crunchyroll, and they've kind of gotten the My Hero status where it's so big that you can't be contained in on one service. Mm-hmm. Got to put it everywhere. Got to put it everywhere. Um, but I will say one thing I really admire about Conan and slash Case Close. I'm just gonna just. I, I'm so used to just the Japanese name, so uh, forgive me. I will, I will say, though, just as a quick aside, I will say, if, if considering that they did come up with a brand new title for the U.S., I think Case Closed is a really good title. Just from a total outsider's perspective, I think it it's, um, it's snappy, it's got alliteration, which is cool, um, and it kind of, it does encompass sort of what the show is about. So, I mean, mm. I think considering they didn't, go with detective conan and they gave it a new name with localization i think they picked a pretty good one yeah i think it's a pretty solid name it's just i'm it's someone that mainlined the, the japanese release i'm just, just used to the japanese name <laughs> and i and i don't have the nostalgia for the case closed dub mm-hmm. like like you i watched the first episode like in an anime club in high school mm-hmm. uh liked it but never watched it again <laughs> <laughs> uh until recently um what was my I'm losing my train of thought um oh my point uh the conan fans are devoted which i greatly admire it's kind of like how jojo fans probably were before the anime got it to more mainstream status like for example there there was a dedicated fan group called the detective conan translation project that 
uh, worked on creating an English translation for majority of the episodes and doing the movies when they weren't being released by Funimation. Hmm. And there's a great wiki called the a Detective Conan World Wiki, which is its own... It's not part of the stupid fandom service. It's its own thing run by fans that are very detailed. And I highly admire uh, the whoever is running the wiki. I've, I use it a lot to look up interesting factoids. Probably a bunch uh, of nerds. Yeah, welcome to the nerd club. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think... People that get into Detective Conan really get into it. And the main reason why I was able to plow through all the episodes was it's a really good character show because every character has a distinctive personality and character interactions, which can be really fun. Um, the mystery, if you grew up on like stuff like Agatha Christie uh, like and her books or murder mystery books, you're, you would really like Detective Conan. There's also a very strong romance element. So if you're big into romance, you, you get that. And during the movies, you get more action-oriented set pieces. Um, so it so it seems like Conan, for me, is able to kind of take the best of both worlds and kind of blend them all together into this soup. So do you think there's an opportunity to uh, get uh, uh, fans for this you know new and up-and-coming series that people really like called Columbo to uh, jump into the Detective Conan train? Yeah, I would say if you also like Columbo, you would probably like Conan, you'd probably like Detective Conan. Um, and if you are new to the series, I would highly recommend just checking out the movies that Discotheque has released or doing the episode one special, which gives you like a good summary of who the characters are. Um, or the film that you picked for me, which is not one of those at all. <laughs> well, I'll tell the reason why I picked this movie. We're doing movie nine, Strategy Above the Depths, which came out in two thousand five. We I chose to do this movie because, unlike some of the newer movies that have, they usually have like a major character in the Conan um, pantheon be a focal point. So, for example, they would it, they could do a black organization movie. Or they'll do a movie with Conan's rival, Heiji Hattori. Or they'll do another movie with uh, Kaito Kid involved. And so what I, I picked this movie because this movie had the least amount of, like, need to know of, like, who's this character? Mm. Uh, and also I picked it because unlike the, the later movies have that kind of you need to know this character syndrome and the early movies... Uh, they didn't really have kind of their formula in place because the first Conan movie uh, is way more action-oriented, which, while fun, is not kind of the Conan the Conan story structure that you're used to if you watch the TV show or the movies. Um, so I thought this would be a, a good fit. And I'm hoping if the discotheque releases are successful, they'll finally be able to get back to some of the earlier movies, uh, which I really enjoy. Hmm. So that's why I picked this movie. Also, CG Water and CG Boat. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love CG Boat, huh? 
I love CG water. Now that I gave you a lot of background, listener, hopefully I didn't overwhelm you, let's finally get into this movie, Detective Conan, Movie 9, Strategy Above the Depths. The main premise of this movie is Sonoko, best friend of Ran, is sent by her parents to represent them slash their conglomerate, because Sonoko comes from a very wealthy family. Uh, They're brought on board this luxury cruise liner um, called, uh, what, Austin? St. Aphrodite, like the goddess. Mm. Unbeknownst to Conan and friends, which include Ran, uh, Mori, which is Ran's dad, uh, and Conan's friends from elementary school, the detective boys, uh, and Hybra, and the professor. Um, There's a... two figures that are plotting revenge for a horrible accident that happened 15 years ago. And so um, incidents begin to occur on the cruise and Conan and crew have to solve it. So, Austin, since this is your first real Conan movie, what did you think of it? Well, uh, generally speaking, I, I thought it was pretty good. I could definitely understand why you would like it because it, it gave me a lot of those murder on the Orient Express kind of vibes because it's, uh, you know, like a localized ship situation where there are some uh, mysterious deaths that occur and some uh, crimes that are being committed and suspicious people around every corner. Uh, so I could definitely see this is very Bill Core, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought, you know, in line with, you know, your intentions for giving me this particular film, I felt like the film gave me enough knowledge about all of the characters in order to kind of understand who they were and where they were coming from. And there was a very helpful sequence, like, towards the beginning where it basically gives you a digest of, you know, like, this is Detective Conan up to this point. These are the general profiles of the characters and we're going to tell you how Conan got turned from a teenager into a little boy really quickly and just kind of give you this quick introduction to everybody to sort of set the stage but I appreciated having that but you know I I don't know I feel like maybe the film could have you know done without it not that I think it shouldn't have been included but I think that like the characters were easily easy enough to understand their relationships to each other and to sort of the setting overall um that it it didn't feel it didn't feel like jarring i i there weren't times where i was just like well who is this character like why are they here um for the most part i mean i obviously don't understand everything about the characters in these relationships just like the detective boys and girl were like a little bit weird to me. I don't think I made the connection that they were like Conan's elementary school classmates. I just thought, well, who are these kids running around? And like, why are 
Ron and her friend just hanging out with all these children and like why is the doctor here but like a lot of those questions are just like ones I didn't really care about because they weren't immediately (laughs) relevant to the plot of the story I guess well okay fun fact they do that recap for every movie oh good (laughs) for every movie so basically I think um, if you're new to Conan, you can base they will do a recap of that kind every time, and every time the recap is slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that recap fun because the detective boys get this very over the top intro <laughs> where they just like call out their names and like a Super Sentai team mm-hmm. <laughs> form <laughs> form a pose. Mm-hmm. And the best part is when Genta says, "And with our associate Conan," because <laughs> yes, Conan. Because Conan is the one that mostly solves it, and they're just kind of tag along. Right, right. <laughs> which is real, which is really funny. And they they also um, made a point to uh, showcase Conan's gadgetry to show you like, oh, these are the things he has access to. They'll most definitely come up later. That are invented by the professor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and the reason he's there is to most basically watch over the detective boys. Mm. Because parents, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> I know you. I know. Whenever we talk about Lupin the Third, you like to point out the weakest link of a story, and I think, I think he's the weakest link to me. Yeah, I would say there's always kind of a weakest link issue with Conan because you only have so much time, and you can only give so much to each of the characters because mm-hmm. they it has a very Conan has a very ensemble feel to it, mm-hmm. um, and so there's always going to be bound to be someone left out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but. He did get his trademark quiz that he gives the detective boys in almost every movie. Oh. So, so that is a recurring segment within all the movies. Is he gives them a quiz that's usually a pun. Mm-hmm. And that I feel so bad for the for the translators that have to translate that because that's very much a cultural thing. Yeah, we were watching so. a fan sub of this because, like you said, it's not it's not available through uh, you know standard means, but. Uh, there were there were a lot of translator notes on this particular fan sub to clear up some of those things, which I appreciated. Mm. Um, and also, another reason why you should like this movie is because one of your favorite voice actresses, Megumi Hayashibara, is the voice of Hyperi. Oh, really? Was she? Oh my gosh, I didn't even notice. He- you didn't recognize her? No, she- I, she's I, very... I have to be totally honest. I'm pretty bad about noticing Japanese seiyuu voices. Um that's probably a byproduct of me generally watching dubs most of the time. Not that I have any problem watching subs, but I, most of the time I watch stuff in English. But uh, I just don't have the ear for it that you do. Mm. But yeah, she she was cast into Conan right after Ava. That's amazing. So she, she has been playing Hybera through the entire run. That's awesome. So, um. But I guess for for you, um, did you like the character dynamics? Did you like the mystery? Like, um... I, I did. I, I thought that the central mystery was like, you know, kind of standard. It wasn't anything mind blowing, but it definitely reminded me of just like traditional mystery stories. And I see, I see the uh, enjoyment of them. Um, but I, I did think this one was interesting because it's not really a who done it. It's more of a Conan knows who did it already, but his struggle is that he doesn't have the evidence to prove it. And I thought that which was is very a... much a, 
which is very much a Columbo yeah. sort of conundrum where right. he knows who did it, but he has to find the clues to prove mm-hmm. it. And then it has like a third act twist where you realize, oh, the central criminal that we were trying to follow all along isn't the only criminal. There's actually another one. Um, and I thought that was kind of neat because around like the hour and 10 minute mark, cause this movie is about an hour 45. Um, it feels like they get to a, uh, they get to a stopping point pretty much. Like they capture the guy that we're led to believe is the villain the whole time. The, the killer, the guy who's trying to sabotage the ship, etc. Um, they capture him. And then I was like, oh my gosh, it feels like this movie is almost over. But then sort of the, the tables turn and then it's realized it were revealed that there was actually another villain going on the whole time so they have to deal with that as well yeah i thought that was really fun and just mm-hmm. like it's very much like oh it's this guy oh no it's not oh mm-hmm. it's this guy oh it's not mm-hmm. so and that's 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 a really fun mystery where you're basically opening up the secret door and you're just like oh i didn't expect that mm-hmm. um what i also liked about this movie is it has a lot of good character moments like a big one is uh, uh, Maury Rand's dad, who's usually in the series played as a comic foil, because mm-hmm. he in the series he's very much like he drinks a lot and he's played for comedy. And Conan has to use him as a cover to uh, basically do his speech declaring who the murderer is. So, and so not to derail you but about that 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 really threw me off guard because i was like why why does kona do this is like this a normal thing that he does to get to like communicate with people and i i'm guessing he does yes. that because if he knows that he does it as a child nobody will take him seriously yes exactly okay so he usually the uh, the the thing is with mori at least is he will fire a sleeping dart at Mori, he'll fall asleep, and then using his bow tie voice changer, he'll under Mori's voice he will declare who the murderer is, and that's usually what happens in most Conan episodes. Now I don't and, I don't know if it just wasn't present in this film, but I don't remember them doing a sleeping dart for either the professor or Mori as a single time they, in this movie. They don't. This is one of the few times that they don't do that. So are they just expecting uh, the audience to just sort of fill in the blank? Well, he d- he's done the voice changer thing with other characters. Like, he's done that with Sunoco. Okay. And he's done that with the professor, with the professor knowing. Mm-hmm. And the reason he does this is because, as a child, I'm not going to be taken seriously, especially as an elementary school-level child. Mm-hmm. So I have to use these more older characters in order to get my points across. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I like that he does is that he knows his kind of limitations as a child, and so he'll use that to his expertise. Like, when he goes into one of the suspect's rooms and is like, I want to play, I want to play. Yes. He's really going in there to find clues. Yeah, I thought that was and brilliant. He... Like, I, I really I really liked that because I was under the impression, just from not really knowing much about the series, that, like, oh, he just he is a kid trapped in a child's body, but he just acts like an adult and everybody understands that he's a famous detective, but it's actually not like that. It's like he, no, he's it's... still limited by the fact that he's stuck in a kid's body. Yeah. He's basically limited where he has to give either like hints to the adults in the room uh-huh. that kind of gives them the aha moment, mm-hmm. which also happens in this movie um, with when he's around the police detectives in that conference room. 
mm-hmm. um, or he'll use his kid size to kind of get away with things that he couldn't do as a teenager mm-hmm. and he is a teenager stuck in a kid's body so he has to find workarounds in order to do his detective work mm-hmm. yeah and that particular scene that you talked about i thought was really clever because it was him playing with you know the fact that he he can use his child his childlikeness to to his advantage so that people don't suspect him of like trying to find the clues or the secrets or what have you yeah and Hybera is the same way where she's also a, a young, an older person that is shrunken down and so sometimes she will also have to use those skill sets as a workaround. That was one thing that totally caught me off guard because I had no idea that there was another character in the Conan universe that was basically the same as him, like with the whole I'm an adult trapped in a child's body kind of thing. So that that really took me off guard, for sure. Not necessarily in a bad way. I was just really surprised. She's introduced in the, like, third season, so relatively early on. And um, she was also dubbed in the Funimation dub at some point. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also in one of the movies. Um, so she's early on in the show, but yeah, there's a co- there's one or two characters that are in the same situation as Conan, uh, without going into too much detail. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess and, uh, well, go ahead. Go no, you go ahead. Go. Well, I was gonna say I guess this is probably a conversation that happens a lot in the Conan community, or maybe you've all accepted that there is no answer and you've just decided to enjoy the ride anyway. It's like how much should the audience really care about? getting invested in Conan and by extension Hybera like eventually being able to return to their normal bodies I think for most people they enjoy the long term story but they're relatively fine with Case of the Week because it's been over 30 years and if this was done in real time he would have been able to age up to his normal age twice at this point (laughs) Yep. Um, and it's very much like it's funny because Conan takes a lot of like tropes from comic books. It feels like because it's like time is nebulous in Conan mm. because in the book it's only been a year, but with the anime they'll give him like newer technology that is of today. Mm-hmm. And newer vehicles and stuff. And also his relationship with Ran is very much like Superman Clark Kent with Lois. Mm. And that, oh, I cannot reveal my secret identity or else Ran will be in trouble. So, and there's always this will-they-won't-they dichotomy between the two of them. Yeah, I can definitely see how that would be a little bit frustrating. (laughs) <laughs> if you decide to watch this show as like a linear story uh, rather than just like a series of episodic adventures. So I guess if you go into it with the right expectation of like, no, it's it's just about the journey, not about the destination, then I could see you wrapping your head around that and not being like irritated when the overarching plot never progresses. Yeah, where the overarching plot progresses in very slow chunks Mm. it's very much like those usa network uh shows where it's case of the week we might touch on the main story 
but it's not the focus. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're used to those type of shows, then you probably dig into Conan mm. in terms of the format. Um, oh, but that... I've <laughs> sorry, oh, I, had, I had another question about um, about Ron. So she, um, well, first of all, why does she hang out with them? Like, what's her deal? <laughs> <laughs> Like okay, so like she's she's Maury's daughter, right? Yes. And so, Sonoko is her best friend, right? And why do they hang out with Conan? Because they're basically the caretakers of Conan. Why? That <laughs> 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 doesn't really explain. Like they, just ex- they, they just, don't explain <laughs> it. They just race. They just basically take care of him. Okay. Because. We're, we're in the past, like, Conan is, um, has had his parents under, also under disguises, basically say, like, can you take care of him while we're away? And they're like, sure. Okay, so they're, like, just long-term babysitting him for his parents that are never coming back? Yes. Okay. Basically. And where do they think that, um, what is his Shinichi name? Shinichi is? is. Like, yeah, where do they think he is? He he he's always like, well, I'm on a case. I'm always on a long term case. Forever, forever. And the way that they communicate, the way that Rand communicates with uh, Sinichi is through the phone. Okay, I guess. Well, she talks Which, about she talks about that in the movie, but that never actually happens, as far as I could tell. Yeah, it's not a big central point of this movie. Okay, yeah. I kind of gathered that that's what they were doing because she was talking about him, like, not like he's dead or whatever, but that he's just, like, busy and far away, and she's, like, pining for him. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, that, that kind of makes sense, I guess. But, um, yeah. Because she, she thinks, like, oh, this he's a, he's a, he's a mystery geek that is mm-hmm. always just focused on the case, and that's all he, fo- all he can focus on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Peter, where were you all last night? Uh, at the library, totally not fighting the Green Goblin. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's funny. I don't think they, I don't think he is an American comic book fan, but there's a lot of American comic book tropes mm-hmm. that are in Detective Conan. Well, definitely the sort of sliding time scale is definitely one of those things. And also the kind of the Superman Lois Lane dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah with conan and ran mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i would say the we got to talk about the cgi <laughs> okay <laughs> i mean okay. it was 2005 man <laughs> like okay i was i was wondering just like your take on it because it's just like i forgot about the cg in this movie <laughs> yeah i mean whenever i mean going into this i just told you to pick me a random uh film like from the conan series overall so i knew that i knew to expect basically anything from the late 90s to modern day um so that could that could have meant anything in terms of the animation spectrum but i do think it's interesting that you probably now i haven't seen them but you probably picked one of the ugliest looking ones just because it was made (laughs) made in that in the early 2000s where anime of that time period just did not look good no, and the problem was, like, I would have wanted to do, like, one where it's more traditional 2D animation, mm-hmm. which are in, like, the first four movies. But they're not, they kind of didn't find the formula until later. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to give you more of a traditional Conan experience. Mm-hmm. And while the later ones look better, 
I didn't want to bog you down with another major character. No, I, t- I totally respect your reasoning in that regard, but I just think it's funny in hindsight that you ended up handing me one of the probably the ugliest ones. But that being said, for a excuse me, for a film that came out when it did in that in that early two thousands digipaint animation style with kind of so so CG. I, mean, I thought the animation itself was really good like especially in the very end like the fist fight between Mori and our uh, secondary or maybe I guess even primary villain like whenever they have that fist fight uh, together I thought that was really well animated yeah I would say like all the 2D stuff is good mm-hmm. like it's not going to blow your mind but it's solid work yeah I mean it, it, you can um, see it's probably better than what like an average episode of the Conan TV show looks like um, but yeah, the, it's not the big, amazing. The big difference between the movies and the TV show is they have more action-oriented segments mm-hmm. because it's a movie. We want to we get you excited. So for in this movie, for example, with the big finale with the boat exploding and them having the big fight on the boat and them trying to escape it, they could not do that on a TV, TV budget. Right. in the beginning whenever i said we were going to be watching james cameron's titanic but it honestly really feels like it was heavily inspired by the titanic if not the movie like the event or probably both honestly because you start out with our flashback scene in the very beginning where the cruise ship literally hits an iceberg and then like sinks (laughs) after also being exploded they blew it up and rammed it into a iceberg um but then like the around the halfway point of the film like a big twist happens and the current cruise ship in the modern day that they're all on also has bombs on it and they detonate so the ship is slowly sinking just like what happens in the titanic movie and then there's a whole bunch of sequences of them like trying to get off the boat and like there's a bunch of scenes like in the lower cabins where like water's breaking through in the rooms and i could Mm -hmm. just i could just hear that um that string band from titanic just playing that <laughs> Gentle, sad song. gentlemen it's been an honor <laughs> yeah i was like honestly a little shocked that there wasn't a string band <laughs> saying gentlemen it's been a pleasure <laughs> serving with you <laughs> and billy zane um, was not running around the uh the bottom <laughs> of the ship looking for his uh, girlfriend that doesn't like him he was too busy doing kingdom hearts video i guess so uh but um what did you think of just the action sequence in general? I really enjoyed it. Like, I loved that more. I loved kind of whole, the big thing that I took away from this movie rewatching it was just Maury's arc mm-hmm. in this movie. Because he's usually played for a bumbling idiot mm-hmm. and played for comedy. But this time he, was, he played it serious, which is rare mm-hmm. in the Conan um, movies and TV. So, like, when he has the confrontation with our main bad guy, and he's like, I tried really hard to find somebody else, but I just, it kept pointing to you and, and 
that line at the end where she's like, well, you must have hated me. Or someone you love that you hated. And I'm like, quite the opposite. You look too much like her, of, of his uh, wife. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like, that was really well done. Yeah. I like that a lot. I mean, I know he's not typically like this, but the way that Maury was in this movie reminded me of a lot of the interpretations of Lupin, like where he mm-hmm. is he is a goofball and kind of lecherous and kind of a jerk at times and very, very silly, but he can easily turn on a dime and be like super like analytical and suave and uh, competent in a fight and all that stuff. So that that's really what Maury's character reminded me a lot of in this movie. And I guess my other plot point, what did you think about Rand going back onto the boat to get the necklace? <laughs> well, again, around that time I looked at the clock for the film and I'm just like, "All right, so we have to we have we have a we have a time frame in which this film must last. We have to give give us a reason to get back onto the ship because in addition to re- resolving the secondary villain, so there has to be something else to make sure that there's enough action to last us for the duration of the film. So I thought, <laughs> well, I guess that makes sense that here at the beginning of the third act, she has to get off of the safety raft, get back on the ship, and of course she gets like knocked out or whatever, or trapped, I can't remember. No, she hits her head on the wall. Um, yeah, because the, the ship goes tipsy, and it because of that, it it causes like the door to mm-hmm. hit her head which yeah. then kind of knocks her out and she's basically stuck in this container yeah and for I, a good chunk of the movie and be and i i can understand what they were going for but i mean it's kind of a knock against the animation or the staging in this particular scene it did not look like she got hit hard enough to get knocked out it just didn't <laughs> so <laughs> you have to use a little bit of suspension of disbelief well, well, when I watched the movie for the first time, I laughed because I was just like, but it's a necklace that, like, the detective boys can make anywhere. <laughs> but that's the thing, Bill. They're trying to pull on your heartstrings. It's an important sentimental item for this young teenage is it, girl. Is it, though? I, I, to her, it is. To you, you have no sentimentality. You're just a cold-hearted <laughs> jerk. I guess. I, just, <laughs> I, find it, I find it funny that she was just like, oh, yeah, the ship's occupied. I need the necklace back. <laughs> It was pretty funny. And again, I guess another reference to Titanic, you know, she goes back for a necklace. I mean, you know, got to complete the Oh my god, I forgot the Hope Diamond. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) Oh man. You're right, there's so many Titanic references in this movie I didn't realize. Yep, yep. Um... I, I will. I guess. Uh, do you have a favorite character of the Conan cast that you oh, liked? Gosh, let's see. I mean, I feel like some of them, I didn't really get a good chance to kind of grasp. Like the professor, for example. I feel like again because he's kind of the the weakest link. I didn't really get much from him. Um, I did like the the um, the one uh, policeman, the detective. He is pretty cool. I feel like he could have used oh, a little bit more screen um, time. Oh, um, oh, I'm so um, I feel so dumb because he's in every TV episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I also liked um, I don't know if I really liked their characters a whole much because they don't really do a whole lot. But like, I generally liked Ron and I generally liked Sonoko and like their friendship chemistry with each other. I thought their scenes together were pretty cute and fun. Um, 
they seem they seem to just be really good friends and i think the uh the script really sells that mm. yeah where it's just um teasing of each other yeah exactly like they're just lovingly poking fun at each other and like talking back and forth and having earnest conversations and stuff like that so i liked that um the detective boys didn't really do much for me either way um conan himself is about how i expected him to be um but um i don't know i i I can't really pick an all-star character in the in the film i guess the the villains were just okay i thought um nothing really super stands out i mean but i i I enjoyed it overall i for me as a long time conan fan i really enjoyed maury's arc Mm -hmm. and i really enjoyed the detective boys just because they get they had some good funny moments like them playing hide and seek Mm -hmm. was fun and uh the 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 scene any anything with hyper interacting with them because she's such as a cool personality Mm -hmm. where and because she has a much more mature um personality it can throw them off at times Mm -hmm. Which can be fun. Yeah, the contrast between, um, like, the actual elementary school kids and, like, the fake elementary school kids who are actually teenagers, that's that's pretty fun. I like that. Yeah. Um, I will say, it made me wonder, do all cruise ships have a morgue? I guess they probably should. I would... I I wonder. Yeah, I mean, I would think on so. A Dis- on, a, on a Disney cruise, do you think there's a Mickey, a Mickey Mouse morgue? Is <laughs> 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 that they label? It's also in the shape of Mickey's head. Like they just cradle the corpse, like in a in a circle, in like one of his ears. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, I, I would have to think oh, that they boy, do because, the like, what if what if someone passes away on the ship? I mean, you gotta have a place to you know store the body. Yeah, I mean, because it's basically a ship is its own major. It's basically a city. Yeah, exactly. Like, so you you would think they at least have like a few slots if uh, people unexpectedly pass away on a cruise ship. Um, but that just threw me for a loop because whenever whenever you think cruise ships, you don't think of there being a morgue there. But I guess there probably mm. are. And I guess unless you have any other points about the movie you want to talk about, mm. would you watch another Conan movie? I think I would definitely watch another Detective Conan movie. I don't think that this has necessarily inspired me to want to really get into the franchise overall. Like, I don't feel compelled to have the desire to sit down and watch all of that content. But as a general premise, I think I enjoy Conan. And if if another friend named Bill Foreman wanted to uh, curate for me another good conan film to check out i would absolutely watch it uh i guess the other the only the the last few factoids i'll give you is did you enjoy the live action credits you know i thought that was interesting um and i bet i was thinking of that i was like oh they probably went on a cruise as a as a um, production company or as like the animation team to get references for how they wanted the cruise ship to look um so they i was imagining that they probably shot that footage on location while they were doing that i mean i might be totally wrong but that's kind of what the vibes well, gave me funny thing they do a live action credits for every single movie really that's interesting that's a very yes. uh, very interesting motif 
and it's usually tied to the premise of the movie so like this one it was a lot okay. of live action shots of this woman on woman walking around on the boat mm-hmm. another one that they did was uh they went to they did uh, one on an airplane so we're gonna show you a picture of planes taking off at an airport mm-hmm. that's kind of uh, cool we we went to Thailand for one movie, so here's a bunch of images of Thailand. That's pretty cool. It kind of reminds me of the end credits of, like, um, Fooly Cooly and uh, His and Hers Circumstances, where it's just, like, yep. you know, the physical spaces where these characters would be inhabiting. It's like, this is what it would look like if they were actually here. Hmm. And uh, I guess my last fact I ever got to mention, which is fun, is the voice of Conan. Um, is the one of the main singers of Two Mix, who did the Just Communication Gundam Wing song. Oh, very nice. And I did not know this until I did research for this pod. She was married for a few years to the mangaka or the manga creator of Detective Conan. Oh wow, that's cool. Yes, uh, that was. They divorced though, but they were married for a, 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 um, a number of years. Well, I guess okay. I guess both of them brought work home too much, so I guess the relationship didn't work out. Maybe, and she is also the voice of Kiki and Kiki's Delivery Service. Very cool. I could definitely see that. So. She definitely sells. I mean, most young boy characters are voiced by women, but she definitely sold the idea of. Um, you know, playing a playing a young boy character like one hundred percent. Yeah, it's funny. They've been um, because they've been doing the roles for so long. They uh, the cast have kind of become best friends, mm-hmm. especially Megumi Hayashibara uh, with the voice of Conan and Ran. Mm-hmm. And they're all since they're all female voice actresses, and they they're like in their I think they're like in their fifties voicing ten <laughs> year old boys and teenagers. So it's. <laughs> It's fu- funny to think about. I mean, Makoto Nozawa is still out there vo- voicing Goku, so. And she's like, yeah, I, she's at least 150 years old. And I think the voice of Luffy said, I want her to voice Luffy if I can't do it anymore. Oh, that's funny. And, she, and she's like, but you're 50, and she's like 80. <laughs> <laughs> so. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed the Conan movie for the most part. I did. It was a good primer getting me into the series. And, you know, it just being such a big staple of, you know, anime and manga history and um, still such a big influence and a part of anime and manga today. I think the more familiarity I have, at least on a basic level with Conan, the more anime literate I feel. (laughs) Hmm. Well, I think with that, we'll we'll wrap it up, and uh, we'll do some plugs, and uh, any other news that we must uh, announce about the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, Austin, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me most easily over on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at BebopShock. Uh, you can also find us more generally over on our website, thirdimpactanime.com. And instead of doing a plug for my Twitter, I would like to give a plug to a podcast. If you're interested in Detective Conan and want more content about it, um, you should check out the One Podcast Prevails podcast, which uh, is part of the Manga Mavericks network of podcasts. Um, the from what i have listened to they do 
uh, movie reviews and they mostly do manga recap so I highly enjoy their work so I would highly recommend you go check them out mm-hmm. at One Podcast Prevails awesome and yeah if you want to follow us more generally over on Twitter we do have a brand Twitter account which is at TI underscore anime and if you want to help us keep the lights on we do have a Patreon because of course I co- and we do have a Patreon because of course we do and that's patreon.com slash third impact anime and with that uh, thank you dear listener uh, thanks for letting me be host Austin oh of course this, a, this was exciting please do it, mo- and, do it uh, more often it gives me a wonderful break <laughs> uh, maybe we just need to do more Lupin episodes maybe <laughs> soon uh, soon we we'll, will soon and with that we'll see you on the next one bye bye